Phil and I are back from the Atacama Desert. Uh, we still are pulling sand out of different crevasses, you know, that we are finding uh, still weeks later to this day. Um, I came back out of the desert with a poor attempt at a beard. And I was just asking you guys what you thought of it, because this is literally like no shave November, four weeks worth. And it's really poor looking at this point. Um, and Phil came out of the desert just looking even more manly. <laughs> um, and we're joined here with our really good friend, Paul Shearing. Um, and Paul, I guess you, you can kind of, kind of share why you're here. Um, originally, it was supposed to be us three, the three musketeers going down there. Um, and unfortunately, you were not able to go. So we're kind of hoping we get to tell you the story of what the experience was like and, and all that. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna play a fun little game today on uh, <clears throat> on like a, a Bigfoot podcast, which is Chris is not gonna be the host. He is going to be the talent. He's gonna be sitting there in the seat uh, beside uh, Phil there while I grill him. I am actually the host. I won't do anywhere uh, uh, near the justice uh, of the work that Chris does. But at any rate, uh, just a, a little background from my end. Uh, I had signed up for this race in the Atacama with these two guys uh, and some uh, some family health issues arose. Uh, and I also had a foot injury, you know, the week before. So, you know, it was one of those things. It's a heartbreaker. You got to pull out of this race. You know, you bought the, the international tickets and everything. Uh, and, you know, they were down there for 10 days. And the whole time I was kind of, you know, just you know, living in the vicarious vacuum of, you know, what are they doing today, man? What, you know, what kind of vistas are they seeing? What kind of hardship are they going through? What kind of curse words are, are Phil spitting out, you know, at this very moment? <laughs> uh, and so they texted me when they got out and, you know, and it was you know great to see that they had survived and whatnot. Uh, but then, you know, we decided very quickly, you know, before they were going to download uh, the, the whole experience to me uh, that, you know, it might be better to just hold hold off and actually allow them some time to process because, you know, as you know, these races, uh, a lot happens in them to you, you know, physically, of course, but more so uh, mentally, spiritually and emotionally that takes some time to process. It gives you a lot of a lot of perspective on life. Uh, uh, and so these guys have had a couple of weeks uh, since they've been back. Uh, and I don't know anything that happened. I mean, I know they went into the desert and they came out looking like Jesus Christ. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, some positive things happen. Uh, but I thought I might just run through a few a few prompts for you guys and, and let you fire away, because I think it's more interesting to listen to the racers than it is to listen to this uh, second rate uh, podcaster. You're um, a first rate podcaster in my eyes. Uh, thank you. That, that, that's why you are a first-rate podcast. You're so damn positive all the time. Uh, um, Phil, I guess we should start just by saying, not it wasn't really like a race. Like I don't know. Do you want us to describe? Yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me. Let, 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 so why don't you guys start with a, a thumbnail of the whole thing? Because you know, I think people familiar with uh, with this podcast know about stage races, know that uh, you have uh, have participated, a lot of people that, you know, that you've interviewed have participated in these stage races where, you know, there's there's definitely a competitive, you know, underlying uh, um, substrate to the whole thing where you're basically, you know, you're running for time and every stage matters. Uh, and this particular one, I think, was uh, characterized more as an expedition than a stage race. But again, why don't you why don't you fill us in on that uh, kind of what it is actually, what drew you to it, and then we'll get into the, the event itself. Yeah, go for it, Phil. 
Well, uh, that was an awesome introduction, Paul. And uh, it's it's great to uh, have Chris, you and myself, I guess, back together again. Mm-hmm. Um, something I've been thinking about in the weeks after completing this adventure with Chris are this reoccurring meeting of Chris in, in a desert landscape and whether I, I don't want to, I don't want to get too deep right off the bat, but whether biblically in literature, in cinema, in song, what is it about a journey through a desert um, in its vastness, in its never ending expanses and I just, it just something really, really speaks to me. And there are so many metaphors that I, I can re- like relate to, but it just goes back to this ultimate like pilgrimage of, and, and this, although we went into it thinking it was kind of going to be a race, it was, it was not really a race. It was an ex, a true expedition. And, um, but also to utilizing an app and, and kind of, I think the cool thing that Ray did was he was only give us the map of the day, the morning of, so we couldn't, we couldn't study it. We couldn't study the topography and the elevation and those types of things. So, but it just really got to the root of, it sounds so simplistic, but getting from point A to point B and the things that you're going to experience. And then over the course of that journey, how you change your perspective i guess yeah so i'll just leave it at that introduction yeah let me me just interject at the at the top here let's let's um put the official name of this event uh, out there so so what is what does ray call this just so everyone can you know that's listening that's not you know up to speed knows knows exactly what we're talking about and also you know maybe talk about the length of the thing and the location and whatnot yeah so it was um it's they it's through their company capic one uh, so it's through like Capic One Expeditions and it's Ray Zahab who, I mean, I'm sure Phil and I will talk a lot about Ray. Uh, this dude has done it all seemingly like he's crossed every major desert in the middle of summer. He goes to the Arctic like he is an adventurer, like capital A adventurer um, and an absolutely like wonderful dude. Like he was probably one of the most enthusiastic encouraging people i think i've ever met honestly like the dude takes everyone under his wing and just tries to you know teach them what it means to go like what it means to be on an adventure on an expedition um and it's kind of what interested me was you know i sit down and i get to talk with all these amazing people who have done these crazy things right and i've always kind of wanted to have that experience where it's a big adventure in a foreign country in a place i've never been like on the other side of the world i've always wanted to do that and i would say uh through capic one it's it was kind of like expedition 101 like you're sitting there you're learning constantly uh amongst all the jokes and all the stuff that's happening like with with everybody there goofing off and joking around and talking about life and everything that happens but on top of that you're you're just learning from all these people. You're learning from Ray. Uh, you're learning from Bob. And I am I think Bob is like, he's this wonderful, wonderful dude who 
um, has helped uh, kind of organize all these expeditions. Like the dude is an incredibly smart, great athlete. Um, and he's he goes on all of these. So him and Ray kind of run this company. Um, and and that was I would say that was kind of it. It was kind of like this idea of like expedition 101. Let's learn from people who actually do these things, you know, all, a bunch of times throughout the year. And, uh, so, so yeah. what, um, how many miles was it in total over how many days? What do you think, Phil? I'm going to say it was probably like 70 or 80. Yeah. I was going to say a hundred K it wasn't, it definitely wasn't a hundred miles, but you know, there was the planned route for the day, but then on many days and we can get into this later, but we'd, once we got to our base camp, we'd then venture off and, and see other things. So I'd say over the course of the week, it was probably between a hundred K and a hundred miles altogether. Yeah. And over how many days? Actually in the desert from the time you six. left town to getting back to town. Yeah, six days. And um, in the weirdest way, like I've tried to describe this to a whole bunch of people since coming back. And the the only way I can really describe it is it felt like one long day. You know what I mean? Like once you were out there, you were just in it. And it just felt like, I don't know how to describe it, Phil, because I think it was so outside my norm of what, I normally do in my day to day. It just felt like one big, never ending, beautiful, wonderful day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> how many people were? Uh, how many people were in the field? How many? How many people were were racers or you know expedition uh, members? So I think total doing the expedition, whether it's Ray organizing, uh, there was only ten of us. So there was six of us on the expedition, like signing up and learning and then there was ray and bob putting it on uh they had someone val she was kind of helping out and then howie stern who is one of the i mean i'm just gonna say like i think he's one of the best uh you know photographers in ultra running and and now he's trying to go out in just adventure in general and he is absolutely fantastic so he was with us too uh experiencing it with us and kind of capturing it and stuff like that so you guys went out in the uh, into the Atacama Desert in Chile for six days. In the in the gateway uh, city or town was Copiapo. Is that right? Yeah. Or somewhere else? Okay. Yeah, and it's basically like a mining town. So, um, it's. I think when we flew in, it was like a holiday, and so we stayed at this hotel, and like nobody was out in this park. Like there was nobody there, and so I was like, it was hard for me to even judge like how big this city was. And then we woke up the next day and that city was like hopping, man. And we went for a little run through the town. We ran up this hill, um, kind of overlooked the, the town from there and um, just kind of like got our bearings straight for the first few days. Had like really long dinners where we all got to know each other, which was really cool. And I think was kind of a special part of the experience. Like we literally just sat around a dinner table for like six or seven hours, just kind of, wow. you know, talking about life and sort of got got ideas of what the expedition was going to be but more kind of got to know each other there um so uh obviously you know you've run in deserts before uh you live in close proximity to utah you've run you've run some races there um philly's been in the desert a lot too as he mentioned um how would you compare and contrast like this experience of going let's just talk about you know the natural landscape and topography and the, the you know the, the environmental experience of being in the desert 
in in the Atacama, this particular region of the Atacama, uh, versus your other experiences in the desert? Like, was was it new, or did it feel somehow familiar, or both? Phil, you wanna? Phil's thinking. Look, you can see when he's thinking. That's the crazy part. <laughs> oh yeah, you can. <laughs> There's smoke coming out of my ears. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, I've been in a desert landscape a couple of times, a handful of times, and I, I mean, I personally have just never experienced the vastness of, of what we witnessed there. Um, you know, Paul, Chris, and I have experienced the desert before. Uh, it was it was truly unlike that. And and we weren't following a designated trail or a path per se. Yeah. So there'd be many days where we were looking out over the vista and you know, there's there's no road tracks, there's no foot tracks, there, there's nothing. And we're just kind of looking, we're we're gauging the environment around us and what what's going to be the best pass. And it was very um like in, in the truest sense, it was very uh super Un trippy <laughs> super trippy like d disorientating or something like yeah, it was, yeah 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 it, there was it, it, you would look down and you would say okay we can go down this way and it's going to be a shorter distance than if we went up this traverse or something but it, it was just you were out of your element where you then get down there and realize you went you know a thousand meters or whatever out of the way because now we're gonna have to hike twice like we just we learned how to use the land and ray was a great advocate of like if you gained elevation you're going to want to ride the ridge line not not all the time you're not going to keep going up and up and up and up but like just it, it was stuff like that because it was very um disorienting and uh you could get like when you when you see these things in in show or movie where people see mirages and all this it, it wasn't anything like that it was just oh this will probably be the better way to go and then you get to that place and you reassess and you're like we, we probably went out of the way doing this so yeah a component now that you're, you're talking about that because in my mind's eye you know obviously i was i was you know dreaming about it the entire time and and i was like well it, you know it's probably not like it's not probably not like the red rock desert of, of utah uh you know the kind of you know prescribed route of the coco pelli that, that we've taken in the desert rats races and i thought you know it's probably more like uh i had run the the marathon de Saab many years ago uh, in the Merzuga Dunes and, you know, in Morocco. And I thought, yeah, this is probably pretty raw desert like that. But, you know, I I, I think there's a critical uh, difference, which is in that one, you know, there's like 1,200 people in that race, right? And I'm a dead middle of the packer. I'm like number 600. Um, <laughs> but the guys at the front actually do have to wayfare, right? Uh, but we, you know, in the mid pack, just, you know, we follow the, you know, the trail that, you know, all these footsteps that have been laid down in the dunes and, and you know where you're going. But it occurs to me, you guys were in virgin dunes the whole time. There were no footsteps in front of you. Yeah, man. Well, just like Phil was saying too, just the absolute disorientation because you some you see something in the distance and it's kind of like this out here when i've climbed in the mountains before where you see something in the distance and you're like i don't know if that's super close like i don't know if that's a half yeah. mile away or yeah. 10 miles away i yeah. don't know if it's a tiny hill or a giant mountain like i have no yeah. way of knowing honestly and um i just remember the second day we got into camp and we had that was kind of the first moment it kind of just opened up like i just remember phil i don't know if you remember this we got up to the basically the lunch spot so basically for lunch uh uh bob and this guy philippe would drive this truck 
up in the middle of nowhere. Like imagine the middle of nowhere and then imagine a truck that somehow got there. And you're like, I don't know how that truck got here, but it did somehow. And they have sandwiches. So I'm cool with it. And uh, we got to that truck in the middle of nowhere and we're sitting down, we're eating our sandwiches and just the sky had opened up because I think all morning it was kind of foggy. Uh, this was a very foggy desert, by the way. Like the Yeah, so there's a big difference right there. Yeah, right? super foggy. So there's fog in the sand dunes mm-hmm. and it opened up and it just was magnificent. I don't know how to describe it beyond just like magnificent. We're seeing the these giant sand dunes like and once again, it's like I don't know how far down that is because we're if we have to go down, I have no idea or any of that. And that night we got into camp and we are next to this sand dune called the whale and it is twelve hundred feet tall. So it is a complete sand dune that is twelve hundred feet tall. And uh, we all decided to go hike up that. And it was the best decision of the whole trip in my mind because that was that specific event, like specific climbing that sand dune at sunset was like in an environment I've never been in before and may not ever be in again. And um, it was just absolutely breathtaking. Like it, you got to the top of it and it, was mildly terrifying because there's like drop-offs on every side and you're super high up and it just took your breath away. Not to skip ahead, like, like, uh, like Phil was saying, let's save all the, the deeper stuff for deeper in the podcast. But, um, the way you describe that makes me think that, you know, the desert forced you to slow down, uh, and that you had these experiences that are more visceral, uh, and, and, and I guess what I'm getting at is it seems to, at least in my experience and just the way you describe that is it, it feels like the experience is like more deeply etched in your memory than the general experiences we have because we live so fast and we've got all this technology and everything's always about, you know, you know, uh, ac- uh producing and accomplishment and output, uh, and, and you were just forced by, you know, this enormous desert to, to be right. Um, am, am I right in that? Do you feel like that's a memory yeah. that's just going to be really hard to erase until you're old and senile? Oh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, well, I also have to say this, Paul, cause I keep meaning to say this mm-hmm. every time, but God, man, we missed you out there. We really did like the whole entire trip. And we didn't want to send you too many pictures. Cause we're like, we don't want to make him feel bad, but we want him to know what we're doing. You know what I mean? And no, I thought it was, just a, it was a great balance. And some of those, <laughs> some of those Dune pictures you should send. I don't. We know were very stuff. aware of like, let's not make him feel like FOMO here or whatever. You know, yeah, but... sun up or sun down. That one picture where the, the, the dunes are there and the sun on the horizon. I'm like, my God, that's just primal experience, man. How yeah. awesome! Well, and I, I think to for me. I can only speak for me, but I feel like a lot of us, maybe all of us felt this way when we were out there. It was life is go, 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 go. Like we're busy people. We're in the middle of our lives right now. It's go, 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 go this, do this thing. And then the next thing. And then the next thing, you know, and it was important for me to just take space from all of that. You know, uh, it was important for me to eliminate everything on the to-do list for, and it was, you know, it was a week and a half 
of eliminating things on the to-do list. Um, and I just needed that. I needed a, you know, when people say they need a reset, like, I just feel like I needed a reset because life had been really busy and not in a bad way. Like a lot of the busy things that I do, I enjoy doing, but I don't let my brain take a second of just space and quiet. And when you're in the middle of a desert, it, all it is is space and yeah, quiet. You're, you're forcing yourself to, yeah. Because yeah. we'll never, generally speaking, we'll never take the moment. Um, yeah. So, Phil, it, it's kind of related to that, that the next question I was going to get to. Um, you know, you got there and, and you've, you've obviously, both of you uh, and Phil, you in particular, have run quite a number of races, right? And so you lace up, you get out there, you know, this is the big thing. You got the buildup, you got the butterflies and you get out there. And was there like a, a, a climatization period in you where you're like, wait, I got to think differently here because I'm just I'm supposed to run. I'm supposed to get a time on some level. And did it take you at all like, you know. A little period of time to go oh wow um what am i supposed to do besides just be out here <laughs> I I think they, no i think i think they did a really good job with that just the way the the week was structured and with getting us into country and getting us out of country like i feel on the front end and the back end not only like a physical acclimatization but just kind of mental like chris saying like we would just go to dinner and just shoot the shit and and eat food and hydrate and all these things like it was it was it was really really chill and it wasn't really rush rush go go do do um you know just to tap on the experience that we had before in the desert where it was like you know 7 30 we're stepping off 7 30 we're stepping off here it was just kind of you know we still had structure and it was we we still followed a schedule but it was, it was much more relaxed and it was kind of not like go at your own pace. We were all going to go together, but it was just kind of a ch really chill. It's, so. You know, and, and it seems like that would be the natural outcome of, of you know, if, if Ray was going to make a race, you know, I, I'd, I'd become familiar with him with uh, the race in the Sahara, uh, Sahara movie. Um, and, you know, given that he spent, you know, months, if not years of his life, you know, crossing deserts. Uh, I don't think a person can go through that without starting to understand that nature and you know experience of life uh is is not about you know the, the the product and the result but it's rather the process and how transformative and how ecstatic the experience can be when you're in the desert and i think you know and again i don't want to speak for ray because i never got fortunately never got a chance to meet him in person i talked to him a few times on the phone but um Yet, yeah, you have to think yet. that he he you got haven't. there. He got there himself, right? You know, more so than we did. I mean, you know that 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 race in the Sahara was. I can't remember if it was a thousand or two thousand miles. It was a hundred and eleven days. Yeah, you spend that much time insane. in the desert, you'd start to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he came back from the desert, you know, like Jesus and all our spiritual forebears, and they were like, "Hey, I got something to share with you guys. It's pretty <laughs> awesome." <laughs> Yeah, but to, you you bring up a really good point. Uh, an idea just kind of popped in my head. But if 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 you're bringing some thoughts or some of this knowledge back to the real world, and and you're leading a team or you're the head of a household or whatever, are are you going to draw more pro productivity out of your tribe or your group by pushing, driving? We got a schedule to maintain. Or does did Ray realize that I can take this group of six strangers, and if I keep it, it chill if i keep everything calm if we're 
making jokes and, and keeping it light, you know, because the miles that we racked up, it, it didn't really feel like I was ever pushing myself to the extreme. And it was almost in not knowing, not to draw onto the, the faith element or anything, but you have this idea in mind of what the finish is going to look like or how the day is going to come to a conclusion. But running over dune upon dune upon dune and not seeing that finish line, what what was keeping us going, you know? And he's and he's teaching us all these real world tools of navigation and topography and communication and and you know looking at the natural landscape and the way the wind's blowing and all those things. But it it, it really spoke to me on on different levels, not just so much in the world the realm of reality i guess you'd say yeah what and i know just from i think ray towards the end of the week was kind of just bringing up the idea of like they did the way they designed this was to intentionally leave a lot of unknowns and which i loved now you know but i think when we were even flying down there and i was trying to explain it to people like what we're doing they're like how far are you going i'm like i don't really know and they're like, what's the route that you're taking? I'm like, I don't really know. How many people are you going with? I'm not really sure. And talking to Ray after going down and doing this is he did all that intentionally because so much of an adventure is the unknown. And so much of our day to day with access to the internet and technology is the known, right? Yeah, right. And he was basically like, I didn't even want you guys to know who else was going because then you just go on their social media and look up everything about them and you'd form a judgment or an opinion of them before you even met, you know what I mean? And he's like, I just wanted you to come down there, um, be a bunch of people in the desert and figure it out as we went. And that's to, that's what Phil was saying. Like, we didn't even know the route till we woke up the next morning. You know, we kind of had an idea of how far we were going, but not exactly. And, and that was, for me, I think a big part of this too was um, just being able to like let go of control in right. certain things. There's so much, I'm, I'm such a structured person that I can pretty much control my day, right? Yeah. I can control most of the variables in my day and to fly down to another country on like a super long flight <laughs> and not know anybody until I hopped on a smaller plane, like getting on a smaller plane in a, in Chile, not knowing anybody or speaking the language like that put me so outside of my comfort of control that um, I think that when you spoke to like what makes it a memorable, like, why will you remember this to the day you die? And I think for me, that was it. It was everything was new and everything was just outside my control that I got this feeling of like, I just have to go with it and be flexible and be adaptable, which is really good traits to have like on an adventure, obviously. Yeah. I think, I think that's very, I mean, so wise on Ray's behalf and and so critical because, you know, you think about all these races that we run, whether it's a 5k or a, you know, a, a stage race is everything's prescribed, right? Everything yeah. is, is, is laid out and that's how our lives are. Uh, and we just don't, especially as you get older, you know, you get in your grooves that you're comfortable, you don't want to try new things, generally speaking, and and you miss out a lot because there's, you know, the frequency that your mind's kind of working on is constantly grooved one way. 
uh, and life loses some of that novelty, right? It loses some of that that childhood kind of innocence and you know perception of the world. Where you know, when you're the child, the, the reason the child has that kind of innocence and and enjoy you know perceiving the world is because they don't know what the hell's going on, right? <laughs> uh, but once you decide that you know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it loses some of that magic, right? And so I, I love this idea that he, he takes you out in the desert. He goes, I'm not going to tell you what's going on. Uh, and that puts you back almost, you know, in, in a space similar to that child space where you're like, I guess I just have to see the world. Uh, it's kind of the unprescribed mystical space that it is. Uh, that's so awesome, man. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that was the big thing. Um, and I guess my big takeaway of like, just kind of thinking deeply about this. And I read it in a book while I was flying down there. Uh, it was this fiction book called The Lincoln Highway. I don't know if you've ever read that, Paul. Um, mm. But uh, there was an idea in the book that I was like, huh. And I really thought about it because I didn't necessarily know if I agreed with this thought. But I definitely, it's it has stuck with me since then. But it was this idea of like life's opportunities being like a diamond shape. And the idea being when you're a kid, all you know is what you've experienced so far, right? Like when I was a tiny little baby, all I knew was Muscatine, Iowa. That was the only thing I had experienced. That was the only thing I knew. And then as life goes, it just expands, 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 expands um, based off your new experiences and the new things you're learning. Um, but then in this book, it talked about the point where it starts going back in on itself. You know, like it's going back to the point. Something happens where now instead of expanding your experiences, you've turned back inward and you're leading to, you know, your last experience essentially. And I thought about it a lot because I had a lot of resistance to it because the way I, I want to live my life is that I keep yeah. having these experiences that expand my life. And I do understand some people start putting their own barriers in their way that's going to pull them back inward and then some people just have something happen unfortunately that limits what experiences they're able to have whether that's like a health concern or something like that you know what i mean i, I think it's also the aging mind I, I think that there's probably some you know neurology involved in that as well i think i think that's that happens to most of us as we get older it's just the you know there's there's just not as much novelty because you've done so much and and there's also a desire for predictability predictability so which um, i understand but isn't there also like so much else out there that you haven't experienced and i feel like we put our own barriers on that with our with you know like as we get older is it easier to stay in our comfort zone because no, you've had sure more it. time sure in it, it is. You know? but that's but that's why you have to make these it, in my estimate and i don't know anything uh but <laughs> not true. uh that's why you have to push yourself uh into these spaces like like the one you went into right because you know if you guys were walking down the street in your hometown and you had you know nine days to yourself uh you would you know and you and you have this intentionality which is i really want to you know experience the world and i really want to see it uh cleanly and with new eyes you know uh you would still we would still fall into our old patterns you know we, you know we'd have some intentions we're like i'm going to try one new thing today or you know whatever it is you know yeah. but at the end of the day you're going to look at your phone again you're going to call your same friends you're going to eat the same food even though you have this intention to to live fully and in experience new things whereas if you 
you know, it's that old John F. Kennedy quote. It's like, you know, you throw your hat over the fence, you got to go get it, right? <laughs> and you guys threw your hat down to Chile, and you had to go get it. <laughs> but, it, you know, you forced yourself into the space that would allow you to to experience uh, new things and see with, with you know, a, a clearer lens. One, I think, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make, I don't want to make, make a connection to like the novelty of things that we do in Western society. But why, why is there so in, much importance to, you know, a young man or young woman going off to like boot camp, or you know, before folks getting married, having a bachelor or bachelorette party, or at the culmination of high school, you go away to senior week. There's these these elements in our society or whatnot where it's like i'm going to embark on this journey or whatever you're going to call it and i'm going to come back a different person like you know by going to senior week i guess it's it's saying goodbye to your high school experience you may be seeing friends down there that you'll never see again and then you're about to embark on this new adventure of going off to college or going into the military or going into a trade so i i think you know these things that we discuss we're not, we're looking at it through maybe a different lens, but I, I think these things have been discussed. It, it's a tale as old as time. You know, yeah. Chris and I, we, we've talked about the movie, like, you know, City Slickers, where, you know, I just turned 40 this year. And and for me, you know, I have to make it personal because that's what I do. But um, this trip specifically, I think for each one of us, and although Paul, you, you weren't able to go there and be a part of it, you were there, you were there very much a part of our adventure with us. And, you know, I don't know if I'm really ready to to get into it at the moment, but uh, I think we're all kind of going through things in our lives. And for me personally, I'm I'm going through something where it's this thing that I've been like working for and striving for and hoping for and praying for. And it's here now. Like there's things that are in motion that I'm not going to take out of motion but my life is forever going to be changed. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like I needed this break. I needed this reset to like reset the matrix because for the last seven years, I've had one hand in this reality and one hand in this other reality. And you have to let go of one. And I, I feel like where people get into bad repeating cycles is there, there's more comfort in replaying like a broken memory Yep. than jumping off into what's possible. And right. something I kept telling myself is this is so silly and so cliche and you guys can make fun of me, but life is meant to be lived and not dreamt about. And ever since Chris first brought this up to us and, you know, we sat in these meetings two, three months ago, I kept telling myself like, this is very much a once in a lifetime event. And mm -hmm. I've had a couple of those some I went into wholeheartedly and other ones I'd rather not have, but there were so many moments during this trip, like standing on the top of the whale and looking like you think the desert's only like one color, it's just beige, but there were so many different variations of color just with the way the sun was hitting the sand and to look back very much those moments that we had in desert rats where you're standing at this point, you're looking back the way that we came and it almost seemed like we were like not here anymore. Like we were, it was just a really wild experience. We saw people snowboarding and like skiing down the side of the dune. And I felt like we were in like the secret life of Walter Mitty or something. Like there were just these people, they had no idea 
that we had just ran 50, 60 miles to get to that ex same exact point. And they're out in like to Toyota Tacomas, like crushing beers and snowboarding down this dune. And I was just like, how, how beautiful is life? You know, it got more beautiful. And I'm going to have to tell my favorite story of the whole week as we ran down the dune. That was like the only group of people we saw um, once we were out there. You know, every once in a while, there was like a dune buggy, maybe. But I think we saw maybe one other one dune buggy at one point. But that was the only group of people. And part of me is like, I'm thankful that they were there because when I took a video of the of this sand dune, I can send it to you, Paul. Like the fact that they were on their minuscule on the side of this oh, thing right. gave Context it scale because you'd have yeah. no idea. You would have no idea how big it was. But now that oh. they were there, I was like zoomed in on them. Like, look how crazy big this is. Um, and so as we're running down, they start cheering every time a runner goes by, you know, they're like, yay, all this stuff. They're super excited. And when Phil ran by, I was like, we have to sing macho man when phil runs by by the village people the classic macho man and so phil runs by and our little group of of people like runners we start going macho macho man and then all of a sudden the like chilean family that's snowboarding and stuff they start singing it too and cheering really and phil's, i was phil's up they there. Know it. Oh, Phil's up there like dancing and just like hamming it up. And it was he is. one of, of my most joyful moments ever. I was listening to Did so you get happy. a picture or some video of him dancing? I don't think anyone got a picture of that. But well, you got it in the head though, right? It's, it's that's always important. Here. It's yeah, always going to be here thing. from here Sometimes on. Sometimes it doesn't need to be photographed, right? <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know, man. I was thinking about this too. I'm like, I think what happens after these things, like these some these kind of big things whatever they are whether it's a life event or it's like an intentional adventure like they will transform you right like you're gonna leave there and you're gonna learn some new stuff about the world or about yourself um but i think how they actually transform you is up to you right because you can go out there and learn all this stuff and come back and you know fall back into the same old routines and be frustrated that you're in the same old routines or you can come back and you can apply the lessons that you learned in whatever way you see fit and i think that's i feel like that's the stage i'm at right now through this whole like coming back and being a you know two or three weeks removed and it's a very weird stage but it is all about like intentionality i guess let me ask you about that transformation idea um I think when we're young and maybe we still do it a little bit, but, you know, envision like a, a graph uh, of this, of this uh, race. Right. Um, so obviously you've got the, Hey, this, the mileage is going up and you know, whatever else um, in terms of transformation over the course of the week, what's that graph look like? Does it, does it climb? Is it a single spike somewhere? Because I think a lot of us think that when we're going out into these places that it's going to all hit us as an epiphany, right? It's going to be this one thing that comes. And then after that moment, everything's fine forever and ever and ever. Right. And then you come back and you're like, dude, that was the best race of my life. I was on the desert. I swear to God, I think I'm Jesus Christ. And then like, a week later, you're like swearing at the drive-thru guy. You're like, where's my goddamn French fries? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you keep saying that because my beard, but my beard is not worthy. It's just, it's an easy analog with the desert. <laughs> I don't mean to be disrespectful to uh, the Christian faith at all. Uh, 
because uh, I'm a big fan of Jesus. <laughs> Phil, what do you think, man? Uh, we we even discussed this while we were out there, and and Chris and Paul, I, I think we've had these discussions as well. But there, there's a rule of when you go on vacation or something. It's like the rule of like three days or something that it it takes by day three, day four, you're you're really actually in like vacation mode. And and Chris saying how we got to a point where it just seemed like all the days blended together. Uh, I, I had some I wouldn't say PTSD. That's a little strong, but when I'd be out in the field or when I was in Iraq, you know, the first couple of days seem kind of rough around the edges, right? You're, you're letting go of the creature comforts that you have at home and, you know, you're getting to bed at weird, you, there's the excitement, you know, we, there'd be many a nights on the first couple of nights we're staying up, we're, we're stargazing, we're taking pictures and, uh, but it's only after maybe two or three days, then you kind of get into your rhythm where, you wake up, you realize you're in a tent, you know, the Atacama is the driest desert on earth. Uh, I believe anywhere from like one millimeter to three or four millimeters per annually. And the moisture that Chris was speaking of, it was, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen because you're in the desert. But when you wake up, it's almost like the ocean fog or sea fog rolls in from the coast. So you're in this desert landscape, but you can only really see maybe 10, 15 feet in front of your face. You can't see the other tents. They're completely, they have the, the desert the, or the, the, the dawn dew on them, everything's saturated, but it's just this really trippy kind of weird space. But I'd say day three, day four, you hit your stride and then you're, you're having fun. And then before you know it, the whole thing's over and we're at the airport in Santiago heading back home. And we're like, what we just kept saying, like, did that really happen? Or how's this thing over already? Cause I think you know, it, it's human nature. It's going to take a little while to get into it. And then once it, you know, whether it's the flow state, whatever you want to call it, but I think, I think we all got there and we were all just enjoying each other's company and, uh, you know, me being the wise guy. And, you know, we, we were all, we just all had little like nicknames for each other, or we had our little moments out in the desert where, you know, someone would come up, saddle up alongside you and you'd start shooting the shit, just talking about all sorts of your life and things you're going through and whatnot. It's just, it all just kind of blurred together at that point. I, I don't think you could even really put it on the graph. It's like you're on the graph. It, maybe it's like that moment when you feel yourself falling, falling asleep and then you get like the Jimmy legs or something, you like snap yourself out of it. I don't know if it's the feeling we get when we transverse to the other side or something, but it's, I think my graph would be getting closer and closer to enlightenment and then it would just dissipate. Yep. And then at the end of the vacation, I just pop back up online and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but it occurs to me that, that maybe I put a false, uh, false parameters on that, which is the graph stays at an elevated level in the weeks after you're back, right? Like you, you're, you're still learning, you're still processing, you're still applying you know, the wisdom and the transformational moments that you had out there now. It's not like it just the spigot shuts off and it's like, oh, wow, that was really perfectly uh, spiritual and wonderful and connected in the desert. And now I'm back and, you know, you know, there's still there's still residual stuff there. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. and, and I, I guess I guess what's critical there is this idea that, you know, obviously. The desert is critical but it's it, it it's what the desert's doing to you right and and 
the transformation is happening in you, right? And you're the one that carries it. Uh, and you can carry that anywhere. Just sometimes you need that prod, right? You need that prod of isolation and camaraderie. I mean, that's what I always got so much from these races was, you know, how I met you guys is there's just something so sweet and wonderful about human beings when they're isolated together. You know, it's, it's everyone picks each other up and you're like, man, the world's beautiful. And and, you know, I think we first ran together in 2018, maybe. Yeah. Um, and here we are still doing it. Here we are still vibing. Um, so, you know, whatever that first desert rats was, that was seven days or whatever, it's like it didn't stop there. You know, the elevated sense of engagement, of of satisfaction, you know, of, of you know, you just you're connected you know you know obviously it ebbs and flows through life but to your point it's like you got to pick you got to pick the things that will catalyze that 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 will keep that going keep that flame in you strong right and you know it's funny years ago a friend of mine said oh you just run those races for vanity uh and i said oh, i don't think it's quite that man i'm like once you're out there once you're out there by yourself through the good and the bad there's a way you feel that's just a little bit closer to whatever your God is. And that's the reward, man. Because if you can get that out of any experience, it's like gravitate towards that experience, right? Because there's so much dark in the world now and there's so much fragmented and finger pointed. It's all nonsense. It's like, hey, you guys all get off Twitter. Just go to the Atacama for a week. Democrats and Republicans are going to be hugging it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, I'll just quote, Phil Pinty right now. If you need space in your life, add a comma. <laughs> ba boom, boom. Ah, it's good. It's um, good. no, man. I it was interesting. I I totally agree with what Phil said because I think it was just interesting to see, like to think back when we all first met each other out there. And it happened the same way in Deseret too. Like, I feel like the first few days people are still holding on to um, stress from their jobs or, you know, things like that. You know what I mean? Like, there's still all these connections and discussions about your job and like what you do and all that stuff. And then as the days go, and I have to imagine for people like Ray who have done these things for months, you know, at a time, like all that stuff disappears pretty fast. And you're just, now you're just talking about life and what it means to be alive and what you've learned in your experiences. And I think we all kind of had that um, just based off of what I saw from myself and then from the other people who were doing the expedition with us, you know? It, it reminds me of, oddly enough, I mean, I guess not oddly at all, but, um, you know, I've gone on a number of meditation retreats and, and I remember one of the teachers uh, was saying, you know, because we, you know, it was a 10 day retreat or what it was. And the first day when you go in and it's silent retreat, and then you get an opportunity to, you know, once a day, you can talk to the teacher if you want. Um, and I remember, you know, approaching the teacher and just talking about, man, I'm not settling in. And, 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 it, and it turned out that everyone, that was a sentiment for everybody. Uh, and so he actually spoke to it, uh, at the end of the, the the first day session and he said well you guys have you know what's so funny is there's a commonality in all of you which is you're all saying you know you're you're full of self-reproach because you're you're you can't settle in you know you're supposed to come here and settle in and you know get insight and you know 
connect and you can't do it. And he said, I always call the first day of the swamp, right? Is that people come with this intention and they just can't get there because they're, they're trailing the residual chaos of, of daily life. And it takes those few days to, to, to drop in. Um, and I think that's really interesting because it's not just about travel. It's not just about physical exertion. It's not just about meditation. This is just the mind is people just are, we're wound up we're wound up and you just have to go through that phase of unwinding, but that requires that you have a protracted period of time to do it. Right. One day is not going to do it. You know, two days is not going to do it. You need to, you need to stretch it so that you can get to that back seven or 12 days or whatever your thing is. Um, and I think that's really interesting in terms of humans. It's just, we, we can't just suddenly switch off no matter what our intentions are. It's like you, you have to work out the stuff you've built up in you. Yeah. And when it's day five of camping with a group of people and you're kind of past that phase, right? And it's nighttime and you're just sitting up and you're just looking at the sky out there, you know, like the the night sky in the middle of this desert where there's like barely any light pollution at all. Um, I'm just like, man, if you ever want to bond with a group of people, just go hang out for five days camping with each other using the same shit shovel, which is a whole nother aspect of this whole thing. Uh, and those two words, the, those two words put together, tell that entire episode. So you don't need to go any further. Oh, you <laughs> use a shovel. You dig some holes. No, 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 no. I know. Like I said, you don't need to go any further. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you said go further. Um, no, 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 no. But you're with these people and then you're just looking at the night sky um and it's absolutely mind-bending oh hey my wife is here and she's delivering she's delivering a message the first christmas card we received from phil pinty we got ours too and it's the christmas card from phil oh he's raising the roof <laughs> first one first if you're not first you're last <laughs> my, my, my wife was like this dude's on it <laughs> I and went to the built. desert and then I came back and I got right on the Christmas cards. <laughs> right. Blasted them out, Gone. dude. <laughs> that action. Oh, God. Uh, hey, so we got about five minutes left. Uh, is there anything you guys want to uh, kind of close out on the actual experience? Because I want to I want to look forward. Uh, yeah. But I want to make sure that you guys uh, have touched on anything you want to touch on. About Phil, any, any stories? Do you want to talk about sunscreen or, you know, I don't know if I ever sent Paul those pictures of you. That might, yeah, that might have to be for another podcast as well. Yeah. That's for Paul's eyes only. Yeah. I don't know that I want to see that either, man. That's a, that's right up there with shit shovel. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to end it with a little closing thought uh, as cliche as I can, because that's just what I do. But uh, Frederick Nietzsche once said that if you look long enough into the void, the void begins to look back at you. And that quote to me always had kind of a negative connotation because, you know, void and emptiness and darkness and all those things. But I can honestly say um, this week out with Ray and Bob and Chris and the whole gang, I had never felt more connected to like this world and the universe and the globe that we walk around on and the stars in the sky. Because... We, we've spoken about this before, guys, and I'm sorry to use it again, but just to be completely removed 
from everything that we're normally dealing in our daily walks of life and alarm clocks and cell phones and supervisors and peers and maybe even children or family or whatnot, but just for that little brief moment in time in our lives, it was only about that person in the tent next to you and the person in the tent right of you. And um, it just got back to the bare basics of like, what do we need to get through the day? Hydration, sustenance, friendship, camaraderie. Um, yeah, the, the week may have been filled with unknowns, but based on the things that we had around us and the people that we had advocating for us, like we, we got through it and it was just a really, really beautiful week. So maybe just when you, Paul, when you talk about these meditation retreats or we, we talk about these things to help us, you know, uh, as antidotes to get through the day, whether it be yoga or a morning run or whatnot, just really get into the breathing and the thought process. And really there's, you know, nothing that we face throughout the course of the day is really life or death, right? It's, it's not really that stressful. Like we, we choose to give those things that power. And when you just are out in the middle of the desert and you see the little desert coyote or the little lizard or the scorpion just doing their thing, they're not on East coast standard. They're just, they're just living life. And it was just a really wonderful week. So, yeah, let me, um, you got anything to add, Chris? I was going to, I do just real quick, just to base kind of off what Phil just said. Um, it was really interesting to feel so like, okay, I guess I'll say it this way. There's a Calvin and Hobbes comic. This is how I always explain things. There's a Calvin and Hobbes comic where he's up, he's like looking at the stars above him just to bring it back to the stars. And he's just yelling like I'm significant. And then it says, says the dust speck. And, uh, <laughs> and I always have read that comic thinking, ha 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 ha. That's so funny. It's such a reminder of how small we are. Right. And when you're out there and like, I mean, I think we did a decent job of explaining just how incredibly vast everything is, but like even us explaining it right now, doesn't do it justice. It was like the biggest space I've ever been in. And when you're out there, you do feel insignificant, but it's not in like a negative way. It's not like a negative. That's what I was going to say. It's like, doesn't it, isn't it kind of a relief to just be a speck of sand in the desert? You're like, oh, dude. (laughs) Yeah, no, it totally is. But, but to be out there with a group of like-minded people who you have bonded with, who are absolutely incredible. Like I love each and every one of the people that we went with, then that feels the most significant. So at the same time, you're feeling like, you know, how big the universe is. And then you realize like, oh, this, these bonds between everybody, that really is the significant part. And I think that's such a wonderful reminder. And my hope is that it doesn't take going out into the desert to remind myself that my hope is that I can find that in my everyday chaos of, of every day, you know, I hope that I can feel that still and kind of 
understand that at that level like it's it's one thing of me saying this right now on a podcast and to have people listen but it's another thing to actually go out and experience it for yourself because you just feel it deep down in your core you know what i mean so yeah um well we're just about to wrap up here and and i want to i want to pivot for one final kind of topic and question which is um is it about the shit shovel uh no but you could do a remix of shit shovel me saying it, you saying it, Phil could probably say it and put like some kind of sweet beat under it. That could be like your intro. That'll be my middle school students. They'll do that. I'm yeah, going to leave yeah. it to them. They're going to become a meme. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's too early. Um, and it's not just the usual perfunctory what's next question, because uh, that is the question. But uh, knowing what you guys know now, you've you've run a number of races like this. Um you're you know getting on in years um <laughs> uh, have you thought about has your has your perspective changed on what you'd like to do next just you know more broadly speaking you know it, you know maybe before you wanted to win, win races and now you don't and again i don't want to put words into your mouth and maybe you don't have an answer for it because it's too early but you know what's next and why yeah i i know for me like I like going out and doing organized races. I think it's a good way to keep me motivated to like stay in shape and train and all that stuff. But I don't have any desire to like try to compete against anybody other than myself. And even that, (laughs) I don't even know if I have the desire to to compete against myself. I just want to go do it. I want to do it. Yep. And I want it to be hard. Like I'm inviting it to be hard, whatever I decide to do. Like I want that, but I don't know if I have a desire to like, like I don't care if I beat my 50K time. I don't care yeah. if I beat, you know what I mean? But I want to, I still want to go experience and I still want to go experience things that I haven't done and I want to do hard things. Um, I would love to, I think this kind of opened up my eyes on, how to actually organize something like this like what would it take you know to actually go out and do your own individualized event whatever that is you plan it you plan the route you go and do it but what would it take to do it successfully and safely and things like that and i think this opened up my eyes but not only that um i mentioned ray just being an encourager and I, I've always, and I think I said this to you, Phil, before we even went out there, Ray Zahab was on my list of people to interview when I started the podcast. Like he was on my dream list like seven years ago. And the reason why I've been thinking about this was because I heard him on another podcast talk about his organization where he takes like young people out on expeditions. Um, impossible to possible. He'll take like 16 to 20 year olds out to do these big experiences. And that to me is the most inspirational thing that he does. And he does a lot of inspirational things. Like the dude's done it like so much crazy. Like some of the stories he was telling Phil, like of the Arctic where there are polar bears and some of the crazy stuff he's done up there is mind blowing and like mad respect to that as like, just an athlete. And I will say this too, just as we're heaping praise on Ray here at one point, Paul, this dude turned the jets on going down this hill 
and he could crush anybody in a race like he is so incredibly fast he just disappeared over the horizon it's crazy like yeah so anyways um uh but his encouragement is what i really respect like i i want to do that and i think obviously i've always wanted to do that to a certain extent i think that's part of what this podcast is is hopefully encouraging people to go out and chase big experiences in their lives but I just want to keep doing that and I want to be there. I want to witness taking someone out on their first big adventure, their first adventure. Like I think to me, that's, that's the inspirational thing. And I think what we're potentially planning for this summer between us three and the missing third musketeer, Thomas Mullins, uh, with a bike, a big bike pack adventure. I'm, I'm excited to kind of, learn a lot from that experience too, and hopefully be able to pass what we learned there on as well. How about you, Phil? I was going to say something uh, very much along the lines of what Chris said that I I can't speak too much for myself because I don't go out and crush races or win at races or anything like that. But, and Ray Zahab really can't be compared to anyone else because he's Ray. Uh, There's only one. Um, But I think what what he's doing is something that we can all emulate where you can go out and do all these crazy things and do all these wonderful adventures or win a hundred mile race or do a con uh, transcon run across the United States or something. But if it's all ego, 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 and you're not, and it's, it's more than just, I think just speaking on a podcast or something, but that week that we got to spend out with Ray, it wasn't so, it wasn't at all about look at all this awesome stuff that I've done. It was, what are you interested in? Why, why are you, what brings you here? Um, How can I, and I think where you, us three are at in our lives, this, this middle of life is this, this letting go of the things that you've accomplished for yourself and, and passing it off to someone else. And it's, you know, not, not to get all, you know, circle of life, you know, handing off and no, no, here, you know, here's your choice chance to do what you want with it. But, um, whether it's professionally or personally in my life right now, I'm, I'm going through these things where it's for the longest time, I, I threw myself haphazardly into the running, into the ultra running and all these things. And now it's, I'm at the point of life where, those things were good for the ego. They served the ego and they, they taught me a lot about myself, but, but now it's the part of life where I'm the encourager. I'm, I'm the one leading, I'm the mentor. And because, because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but like going out and running hundred mile races really doesn't translate to like our jobs or corporate America or being community leaders or anything like that. But it's, it's the lessons we learn. It's the lessons that Ray's learned in the Arctic and running the Sahara. And at no point was it about him. He, he made us feel special. And it was about that week. Like it, that week was about the week. And it was just, he had all these tools in the toolbox that he had learned on all these different adventures. And now it was the time to give us a little bit of that knowledge. So it's pretty cool. Well, I think that's a pretty good uh, conversation. I got a good sense of what this uh, what this race was, and yeah, maybe I, I missed them. <laughs> uh, see, that was my whole thing oh, too. No, I'm, like, I'm kidding, dude. I'm kidding. 
Uh, I couldn't have made it. My foot, my I just foot do the Midwestern thing right now where I'm like, yeah, but it was fine, Paul. Like, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that great. Um, <laughs> no, I saw the pictures of the dunes and I'm like, with my foot jacked up like it was, there's no way I would have made it through the dunes. Phil pulled a pulled a hamstring showing yeah. off for the photographer. So yeah. I learned I learned my lesson on day on day two. You're, you're going full Stuka. <laughs> Uh, yeah all right He's, fellas well thanks so yeah. much for the lovely conversation you're the best you, yeah, we man. love you we love you yeah, paul love you guys much love you guys very impressed let's go uh ride bikes across wherever let's I'm do ready. it i'm ready all right all right, all right fellas. See ya. all righty that wraps up this week's episode of the like a bigfoot podcast um big thanks to phil big thanks to paul for coming on uh i thought paul did a great job hosting the show um i will say i don't know how amazing of a guest i was by any means uh <laughs> but but paul did great phil did great as always um so big thanks to those guys and once again i'm just so like full of gratitude for the opportunity to even go and do this i understand what a privilege it is that i got to fly you know halfway across the world and spend spend my time running through the desert so uh i am so grateful for that uh it was very very meaningful to me hopefully that came across in the episode um you know i i just really appreciated the opportunity to go explore the opportunity to kind of fulfill a dream um and just the chance that i got to meet all these wonderful people so for everyone who was our team who was on the expedition um i can't express how much it meant to me to be down there with you all uh you all are absolutely wonderful um and i'm a lucky lucky guy to get to do these kind of things and at this point, I'm a few weeks removed from this whole experience, maybe a month almost. I think I'm about a month removed from this whole experience. And I still feel like I'm just carrying a lightness with me that I didn't have going in. Um, and I think that's really important for me and really important for all of us. I mean, I think these experiences, these big things that we're looking forward to that are exciting that are outside of our comfort zone, they they really get integrated in us. And I don't know how else to say it. And I think if it's happened to you or if you've done something, you know, that has been really meaningful to you, uh, those experiences get like integrated into who we are and, and our souls and things like that. And I do feel like over this past month, I've I've just been a better person uh, because I've had I've been carrying this experience with me. Um, you know what I mean? Like they always say, like, I can't remember. Where I just I swear I just read this somewhere, but they always talk about how you carry stress physically in your body and, you know, it's it manifests physically in your body, too. Um, but they also, but no one really mentions you carry joy and you carry um, happiness also in your body. And so if you're experiencing that, you know, physically, you're just going to feel so much better. And that's, that's how I feel. So um, 
just the whole thing was a wonderful experience. I don't know if we expressed it. I mean, I know for a fact that we can't express everything we experienced or everything we felt just on like a one hour podcast when we spent, you know, a a while (laughs) on this adventure. But um, the whole thing was was absolutely glorious. And I kind of described it when I think when we got done, we ended the whole entire thing. Uh, at the ocean we ended at this really cool little beach town but we got to the ocean after going through the desert and we were back at like a hotel and stuff like that and I think I felt like the whole experience kind of felt like one long day and it's hard to really describe beyond that like it's it's just it felt like you know in the wizard of oz where she like gets taken by a tornado to oz and then she has a big adventure and then comes back to kansas at the end that's basically how it felt (laughs) to put it in movie terms which i have to do because that is how i communicate um so so yeah so it was wonderful uh once again cap thank you to capic one expedition and also glorious glorious coffee company ray if you're listening bob if you're listening i think i'm even more addicted to coffee somehow so thank you for that uh um but you two are are wonderful i'm sure so ray and bob i'm sure i'm going to be reaching out i want to have you all on the podcast at some point um we'll have folks from this expedition that I met because everyone's really interesting and fascinating um, and we'll kind of spread them out periodically and things like this. Um, But as we're wrapping this up, this whole thing has me thinking about 2023, the year I just had. And I love going through at the very end of the year, I love going through in my journal and just making a list of all the things that I'm proud of, all the things I remember, all the adventures that I may have had. Um, And yeah, this year is going to be a doozy. And it was really just just a great, it really was a great year. And it's great to look back on because sometimes when we get hung up on our day-to-day, busy, 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 uh, it's easy to not appreciate how good of a time that we actually had. Um, but then when we look back bigger picture and you see what has happened over the year, how you grew um, or what you were able to do, what big things you were able to do or experience. Uh, it's just, you can see, you get a better kind of visual on how the year was. And as I look back on mine, I am, incredibly happy i'm incredibly like incredibly incredibly grateful so so yeah so it was it was beautiful um thank you all for listening uh thank you for tuning in the podcast this year we're gonna do a couple more episodes uh over christmas break or the week of christmas we won't put one out but um, we'll do a couple more episodes before the year ends and then i have uh, an awesome, awesome 2024 lined up and I'm excited and all that. All right. We'll get back at you later.